The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Let me tell you about who deserves a shot at the United States Heavyweight. Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, L. Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler, you're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason... Wait a minute. L. Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but thank goodness sakes, at 50 pounds Who difference. are you to, to, to doubt L. Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious how about the, How about hypnosis? Let's get through... Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler, you know. Hello. And welcome to episode 190 of the WrestleCast. I'm your host, Don Delarente, and I'm joined by my SmackDown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonet. Oh, hi, friend. What's up, friend? Nothing much. How are you? I'm good. So far, so good. Cool. You know, just trying to keep the podcast coming yes. on the feed so everybody can listen to all the good stuff we have here to offer on CSPN. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we're joined tonight. By our WrestleCast broadcast journalist, Mr. Magnum Prime. What's up, Greg? Hanging and banging. <laughs> you banging a little rock. <laughs> Don't tell nobody. <laughs> and we have a very special guest tonight. He is the, hmm, what do I just want to say? The curator of the WrestleGrade. He gives a review each and every week on Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views as well. It's Michael. What's going on, Mike? Not much. Just chilling. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Glad that you could join us to be here tonight on the WrestleCast. Glad to be here. The WrestleCast is being brought to you by CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. You can find The WrestleCast on Twitter at The WrestleCast. You can follow Didi Jonet on Twitter at Didi Jonet. You can follow Greg on Twitter at Magnum Prime. You can follow myself on Twitter at Don DeLaRente. And Michael, let them know where they can follow you on Twitter. Uh, at WrestleGrade. All right. Also- so, Mike, since this is your first time on the WrestleCast, we have to find out your origin story. So, pretty much, who got you into wrestling, who you grew up watching, who were some of your favorites, and who you like now? Uh, so, it kind of all started in elementary school. My friends were obsessed with Daniel Bryan when he was in his first wing of the Yes movement. And uh, I got Hulu, so I saw that it broadcasted Ron SmackDown every week so i would watch that and i just binged it because i didn't know that it connected so i would just binge daily episodes of raw and smackdown and i started to really like cm punk because he's a chicago boy like myself and ryback because back then i didn't know it was fake and i got whoa 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 whoa, whoa. kayfabe 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 orchestrated it was scripted choreographed choreographed yeah yeah planned out yeah (laughs) so i was like how is a dude this huge walking around backstage and not just genuinely destroying people so i i started to really like him and then he had that hell in a cell match with cm punk in 2013 and i thought that that was really cool uh and that's where that all started 
And then my first actual like live pay-per-view is WrestleMania 29. And uh, CM Punk was my dude, so it was really cool to see him face off against The Undertaker. Uh, that's still one of my favorite matches of all time. And then as I continued to watch, I learned about New Japan, Ring of Honor. Those are That's probably my favorite thing right now, that and NXT. And I really like Cody and Kenny Omega right now. Those are my dudes. And Johnny Gargano just... He's the greatest babyface, I think, right now in wrestling. So that's how I kind of got started, who I like right now. All right. So how do you feel about CM Punk's endeavor into uh, MMA? I think uh, I knew it was kind of going to flop. I He's an entertainment guy. That's why he got over as who he was, and he wasn't really going to make as smooth as a transition as a dude like Ken Shamrock or Brock Lesnar. Uh but I feel like he's done now. And I think going into a show like All In, that they're going to be able to pull him in for that. And I just, Dana White's probably not going to want to work with him after his showing at UFC 225, the last one, I think. And then against Mickey Gall a while ago. All right. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. So. Um, we're going to get into our news portion really quick, as there is a lot of news this week. Um, the WWE, they contacted Madison Square Garden, and then <laughs> Madison Square Garden contacted ROH and told them that their date for in two, for 2019 is no longer available. And there are no dates available for them in 2019, so therefore, the event is canceled. Petty Boots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that was a big boy move right there that they pulled on on ROH, unfortunately. So um, this may be the thing because you know Sinclair has always been the kind of sleeping giant. I know, Greg, you joked uh, you know last week that you know they would have a big show in MSG with you know uh, the nine dollar lights or whatever. But if Sinclair really wanted to go after Vince and just kind of be like, oh, okay, that's how you want to play, and they kind of put some money in to build up ROH, that could be the sleeping giant that Vince doesn't really want to fight with because they got the money. That's why they're secretly happy that the the event got canceled. I mean, that way they didn't have to shut out the money because it's not the the easiest or cheapest place to, to run an event right. in MSG. So right. they, they probably easily save them six figures that they don't have to worry about shelling out now. So they're happy about that. They'll be fine. But if they were planning to run that on WrestleMania weekend, they would have made that back greatly. Oh yeah. yeah. No no doubt. So because more than likely that thing would have had all the New Japan guys too, so it would have been huge. Like Okada and MSG. Come on, man. I think that's Super Card of Honor fifteen then? Mm-hmm. And so they, they would probably go completely all out and have all the guys. I mean, I think it's a cool business venture for them trying to get MSG, but that's also where WWE started out. So it's, it's probably Vince like Vince's rough spot. Vince doesn't want anybody there. But I think Ring of Honor could still find a solid venue in time for WrestleMania next year. Yeah, they may have to go to like, if they want to run a big place, they may have to go out to like the Meadowlands or something like that. Yeah. So, 
Um, then after the uh, after WWE pulled that move on ROH, they pulled a power move on Big Cass. And they, <laughs> they fired his ass because he didn't get released. Because when you get released, you you get the nice you know future endeavors and good luck down the road type thing. No, nope, <laughs> he just got the one sentence. WWE has released <laughs> Big Cass, so um, you got to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here. <laughs> apparently, uh, he's had some uh, you know kind of same things that kind of plagued Enzo. Just bad attitude backstage, kind of going against some direct orders from Vince. Um, apparently, the segment where he beat up the mini me, Daniel Bryan, he was just supposed to give him the big boot and leave him alone. But instead, he gave him the big boot and then jumped on top of him and gave him a few punches. And uh, he actually asked Vince if he could do it. And Vince told him no. And then he went out there on the TV and did it anyway. So uh, apparently, he was like, drunk in public on the European tour, just, you know, just some bad things. So mm. complaining about having to, you know, lose to Daniel Bryan and all this stuff, just things you don't necessarily do in a row mm. kind of accumulation of stuff, I guess, even though, you know, we'll talk about it in a review. He actually did pretty good in the money in the bank match. Yeah, for sure. I, I came into that match. I was late getting to my seat cause I went to money in the bank. And so I went and I was just not caring about the match and it just suddenly Drawed me in, and it was really good. And I think Brian carried most of it, though. Next up, we have a sad piece of news as Big Van Vader passed away on Monday. He was 63 years old, uh, probably the you know best big man, most recognized big man uh, in modern professional wrestling, um, especially for his time in Japan, his time in WCW. Unfortunately, um, Vince just kind of didn't understand how to use him in WWF when he got there. And uh, he had that incident, you know, most famously with Shawn Michaels. Um, That's probably his, you know, most famous WWE moment, unfortunately. But, um, you know, definitely a true legend, a true innovator. I mean, you know, man could do a moonsault. He weighed like anywhere from 385 to 415 pounds at times. So. Um, he'll definitely be missed uh, in the professional wrestling world. G Money, give me your uh, some of your uh, memories of Vader match, or just you know something that kind of stood out. I mean, his string of matches with Ch- with uh, excuse me with Sting and WCW. I mean, it, it was just unforgettable, and it, he really showed off his athleticism um, in the series that they had together. That was definitely a a, a, a gem in my childhood of uh, seeing him perform and then getting getting older and going back and being able to see some of the work that he did in Japan. Um, that, that first big match he had with Anoki. I mean, him going over on, on the legend like that, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And the guy was just a, a genetic freak. I mean, he, he's in my, my top three for like big guys who could really go just him, Yokozuna and the Undertaker. It's just amazing what those guys were able to do in the ring for their size. Right, right. Didi, I know that you're a, a child of pop culture. Do you remember mm-hmm. Vader from uh, Boy Meets World? Yeah. Not a lot, but I do remember. Yeah, he had like a kind of semi-recurring character on there. Yeah. Was he somebody's daddy or uncle or friend? Or... I he was remember. like the Mr. The Teacher. He was like a friend of the teacher. Uh I wish there was a wrestler who was a friend of my teacher. 
Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. That he would just randomly be at the school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in in his singlet. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh great match, um, just a single match to watch would be the Starcade match against Ric Flair in ninety three from Asheville. When uh oh, yeah. when when like literally he's like hitting Ric Flair like, you know, not with the working punches. He's literally and Ric Flair literally has to like start fighting him. <laughs> to kind of like yo but yeah it's, that's, that's one of Ric Flair's best matches um, like in the 90s for sure so if you guys have some time on WWE Network or other means you can check that out but come on other means <laughs> I saw a video of him fighting Ken Shamrock and I, I guess Ken Shamrock was hitting him with real punches and so he pushed him away one time and Ken came back and hit him again and then he like cracked him against the jaw and not Ken Shamrock out. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, man. Vader was a Vader was a he, he was a he was a big he was a big tough guy that would bully you if he could and uh you know, if you stood up to him, you know, like most bullies, he would, you know, be friendly to you and everything like that. So Oh, on dog. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I knew you were going to get that in. <laughs> And our last bit of news before we get into our discussion tonight is Triple H announces a UK branch of NXT. The new promotion will have tag team and women's championships to go along with the current UK championship. So the much awaited UK brand is finally here. It's going to be underneath the the NXT kind of global takeover initiative i guess i guess their plan is to kind of have a a nxt in every region i guess so (laughs) you know i guess that's kind of what they're looking at and this is the first place so um this is going to be another interesting thing is that um when wwe first announced that they were going to start their uk brand uh world of sport was thinking about coming back and they were thinking about trying to get jim ross and all this and it kind of thwarted that effort well, they kind of put their stuff back together, uh, World of Sport, and they said they're going to go through with it because, as you know, you know WWE's kind of sat on this for like two years almost. But now World of Sport's got their thing back together. They don't have Jim Ross, but they said they're going to go ahead and go through with it. And now we see uh, WWE ramping up their version of, uh, you know, their UK brand. So it's just an arms race. They're just trying to conquer everybody if they can. So... You excited about UK uh, NXT, Michael? Yeah, very much so. Pete Dunne is incredible. It was one of my favorites last year. And uh, I think Tony Storm is going to headline the women's division for a while. And I think there could be some really good matches there. Yeah, because they also have that connection with that Progress. Mm-hmm. That they yeah. that they that they're kind of um, working with WWE is so you know they'll they won't have a shortage of new people to kind of feed into it if they you know if they if they start getting I guess this will work where you kind of go to UK NXT and then regular NXT I don't know what the progression would be but um, so that'll be something to look forward to I guess uh, they're starting to film this like in July and they'll do like a couple like a month worth of television per filming and then come back like every two months or so for like yeah. two days to to make up like i guess two months worth of filming so it'll be yeah. very interesting to see how this uh, all shakes out but that's our news for this week 
So now we're going to go into NXT TakeOver Chicago. Hashtag ShyCast TakeOver. Thank you for everybody who joined us last Saturday night in the live tweet. It was lit, as always. Everybody had some great observations, great gifts and memes. So, you know, thank you always to the WrestleCast universe. So we're going to do something a little different. Instead of going through the blow by blow, we're just going to kind of run down the card, who won, who lost. And then we're going to kind of have a roundtable discussion on what we thought about uh, each show that took place this week. So we're going to start off NXT TakeOver Tag Team Championship match. Roderick Strong, Kyler Riley versus Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Uh, the champions retain. They basically swept the leg, hit a clothesline. Uh, really great match to start off. Much anticipated match. Ricochet versus the Velveteen Dream. Ricochet comes out victorious as he hits the 630 to get the win. Shayna Baszler, she held on to the NXT Women's title as she choked out Nikki Cross. Alistair Black in a hard-fought victory held on to the NXT uh, championship over Lars Sullivan. And in probably the match of the year, best match that'll be in WWE this year, Tomasa Ciampa with both <laughs> his hands tied behind his back defeated Johnny Gargano in the Chicago street fight. So, Michael, you were there. Mm-hmm. We'll I was. St- it was a great show. We'll start with the main event first. The, the um, Tell me about the heat that Tommaso Ciampa has when he comes out there with no music to an was, arena that big. It was crazy. I mean, it was just so captivating. Everybody, even without music, just directed their attention to booing the hell out of him. It was really fun. Uh, and as soon as Johnny Gargano's music hit, everybody was on their feet cheering. It was just it was a really investing storyline, and that storyline just carried all the way through the match. thought it was crazy. Didi Jone? Mm-hmm. Hill Life Supreme? Mm-hmm. We thought he was dead at one point as he took his own move, the air raid crash, off of, I don't know what that was, some type of, I don't know, piece of equipment that was really high in the air. Through yeah. a table. He was yeah. on a stretcher. Yeah. Johnny Gargano was like, nah, I- I'm going to be sick and sadistic. I-, I let you off the hook last time. I'm going to go too far this time. Yeah. And it backfired. It held life supreme. Yeah, Somehow still came out on top. So what were your feelings uh, through that whole last probably like five to seven minutes of the match where we kind of had the stretchered out turning into the resumption of the match? Okay, so when he was on the stretcher, I was like, oh, okay, I tell you he did. And I just thought it was just going to be squash, squashy, good guy reigns supreme. And then it was just like, how did this happen? <laughs> and I was just, you know, when you're a heel, when heel is life, sometimes you don't got to cheer. Sometimes you just give a good Grinch smile. You've seen the gift. <laughs> and you just sit. And your knowledge that sometimes the bad guy wins and it's fucking fun. <laughs> the audience was blown. Oh, this I was, was Undertaker levels of shock. They <laughs> look like no way. <laughs> right. Because especially once he moved everything off of uh, the ring. So it was just like, oh, okay, it's going to end bad for him. I got it. And then it didn't. And it was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. It was great. Greg, oh, that was wonderful. I'll bring you in for the kind of wrap up here. Um, the storyline, the the execution. I mean, 
they kind of had two similar matches, but two very different matches back to back. The way it's set up, we're going to have a, a rubber match at probably the SummerSlam takeover. What type of match do you think could be the ultimate blow off and how would you book it? I mean, I, I think it is pretty much has an end with a, a loser leaves NXT. I mean, they, they've done everything else. So maybe like an Inferno match. I mean, you know, there's, I don't think there's anything that's left for them to do except loser leaves town. You know, some, hey, somebody can go up to the to the main roster. I, I think that would be the best way to to end the the booking because they they've done it all. Okay, you know, um, this match got over with me in the first like thirty five seconds when I seen Jardy Gargano coming out there in the Jardy Gargano shirt, some jeans, his sneakers, and his kick pads. I was like, mm-hmm, that's how you dress for a street fight. But hey, he was kind of dressed like Captain America, though. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I was the only person that picked up on that. Though. I was like, I think so. I didn't notice it. I was just no. I was just. I was just happy that somebody finally didn't dress in their wrestling gear for a street fight. Yeah. So we'll kind of skip around and we'll talk about Ricochet versus the Velveteen Dream. Now, Didi, we're gonna do a fashion cast right quick. Mm-hmm. Because did you notice the the? I know you noticed the tights. We're talking about the Velveteen Dream here. The boa, <laughs> the aesthetic. Of, His aesthetic is just otherworldly. So he was trolling Prince Puma, wearing the. If they weren't the actual Prince Puma tights, he got them like a replica made to fit him. With the Hulk Hogan orange and yellow boa, with the <laughs> Dream Rules orange and yellow Hulk Hogan glasses, do rag, <laughs> just giving you the whole Hogan posing in the ring and everything. So, you know, he's kind of like has a theme kind of for you know all of these takeovers. Like for the New Orleans one, it was like the Mardi Gras mm-hmm. type thing. So he kind of has a, a theme with all of these. So. How good is Patrick Clark? I mean, this is even before he gets to the ring. He hadn't even done a move <laughs> yet. He's already like got you just the layers, so many layers. He gets it. <laughs> um, how did the crowd take this match, Michael? I mean, did they did you even use your seat? They were almost hotter for this than anything else on the show. Just the two characters clashing was crazy. And Ricochet, he had some insane high flying spots in this match. It's great. Uh, the suplex, though, from that Velveteen Dream did from off the ring onto the floor was a, a ridiculous bump. I can't believe they did that. Immediately, the whole entire crowd just busted into a holy shit chant. It was amazing. Yeah, that was one of the bigger, most unbelievable bumps I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, G Money, sky's the limit for both of these guys. Who do you see, you know, what do you see going on from here? Um, You know, do you think they could probably like maybe meet again for like a championship? Maybe this could be a future NXT championship match. This one was so good. I mean, definitely so. Um, But I would think more than likely we'll probably see, you know, Ricochet uh, get a shot probably against uh, Aleister Black. But it was just a joy to watch that match and just see, Velveteen is putting things together as he as he goes along, and the dude is just what, what twenty two years old, right? 
you're, you're seeing you're seeing his evolution, and it's it's just so impressive. And seeing them square off in the ring, I'm I'm gonna go there. Just seeing two two African American guys squaring off against each other, and they're not in the ring just because okay, let's have the two black guys go against each other. Like no, this is a compelling match against two of the, the best in the organization and it delivered. And oh. that was a that was a joy to watch. Oh yeah. It definitely it wasn't a gimmick. Oh no. Oh no. It definitely delivered. They definitely tore it down. Uh another match that probably sneakily delivered was that tag team match to start off the show. Uh Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly versus Danny Burch and Oni Lorkin. Um man, um Adam Cole, baby, is big time over in Chicago. He didn't even wrestle. <laughs> and he is probably he got one of the loudest pops of the whole night. Um, Michael, why were y'all being so mean to Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin in the beginning of this match? They were kind of green challengers. I looked at the card and saw that they were challenging, and then it was an interesting choice, but I definitely thought that they proved why they were in that spot, especially Oni Lorkin with his double blockbusters and his crazy just speed in that match. He was he kind of stole the show. But towards the beginning, we were like, who are these guys against Undisputed Era, which were like the hometown favorites, even though they weren't from here. Chicago likes their smarky heels. So we were all for Undisputed Era. But Lurkin and Birch showed themselves for sure, as I think they move into the UK division now. Yeah, yeah, they definitely be a good fit. Didi, Janet, you got anything you want to add for this match? No, no, I didn't see that part. Okay. G-Money? I was pleasantly surprised. I I really wasn't excited uh, going into the 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 pay per view to see it, but it, it was a pleasant surprise. It, it it was a great way to start off the event. Yeah, um, Danny Burch and Only Lorcan have been grinding in NXT for a long time. I mean, they used to just be like, you know straight jobbers then they became like you know jobbers that would like get a couple of moves in then they became like competitive jobbers like oh damn we almost won that match then they became like you know in the mid card won a couple of matches and i think they could right really you know branch out to be something like you said michael would be good exposure for them to kind of get put on the map through this and then kind of slide over to the uk version of nxt and there could be your you know tag team challengers or champions depending on on you know however you want to make it work with your booking so they can land in a good spot off of this uh match against Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly um we'll talk about the women's championship match next um Didi Jonay did you get enough uh sufficient ass kicking of uh Shayna Baszler for your liking this is also one I didn't see and because I found out how it ended I didn't go back and watch it however <laughs> Nikki crazy. <laughs> yeah, she is. Um, she got choked out and she smiled right before she went out. So um, I know you brought up this point a couple of weeks ago and I'm going to bring it back up because, yeah, it's starting to kind of like, hey, when did this start happening? Um, hmm. They don't lift the arm no more. Yeah, they don't do that. Yeah. So it's like, just like, oh, you look like you're out. So you're out. It's Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like real UFC like, and it's like okay, this is wrestling. We we right. we have kind of these established things that we do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I don't know. That's just kind of the little things that happen in these matches. Um, G Money, anything that you wanted to add about Nikki Cross and Shayna? Uh, it was an entertaining. 
it didn't go on too long, which I I appreciate because I I really I wasn't expecting too much out of this type of matchup because I didn't think there was like an interesting class to style, but um, both women did a, a good job. Right, right. Um, lastly, we'll talk about the NXT Championship match. Uh, this match will probably be mostly known for the probably Batamania moment of the year. But, but if you could take that one part out of it, this was really a good match. Lars Sullivan showed that, you know, he, he actually might actually be more than just a big dude that he can actually go and, and keep up with a smaller dude and be there for, for all of those cool spots that they were pulling off. So Mike, uh, did the, uh, did it look as bad in the arena as it eventually did on TV? Yeah, yeah, it did. It was it was such a great match, especially the part where Lars uh, power slam black into the uh, a- apron. I thought that that was great. Uh, but as soon as he hit that fade to black, and they both fell. And then when I rewatched it when I got home, the commentary tried to sell it as they were both so hurt they just fell uh, their separate ways. It reminded me of the Greatest Row Rumble when. Hardy jumped for the whisper in the wind and completely missed Mahal, but they decide to sell it. It's, I mean, if Lars didn't decide to sell that move, it probably would have gone over better, but it did lead to a better finish where uh, Black hit the fade to Black twice, and I thought that that was a good finish, and the match was good in quality right until that point. So, right. disappointing. Right. Uh, Didi, is Lars Sullivan uh, scary to you? Is Lars Sullivan scary to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't know what he looks like, so oh, I'm about to Google. Oh, oh, you didn't no! This one? Yeah, yeah, he is kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> He's only 29? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He looks like he would be like one of them people from Deliverance. Mm-hmm. He's from Colorado, so there's a chance. Mm, the woods let's see what else he looks like what does google images say he looks like nope he's scary <laughs> yeah do you money anything you'd like to add about the championship match um i know that alistair black's been the championship champion for two major shows and he hasn't been the main event in either one uh is there is it just you know kind of champion at the wrong time with such a hot story between gargano and champa or is he just not you know you know raising the temperature as the champion right now. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. That's that's a real issue. Um I mean it, it's definitely it, it's definitely poor timing. Um but still if, if you're gonna have a guy who's gonna be your champion, you you wanna have people to have interest enough in the match to where it can be headlining the whole show. So uh but hey if his next opponent is gonna be Ricochet, uh, problem solved. Right. You know, it, it doesn't matter even if you got uh, Gargano and, and Chompa 3. I still think that a match with Ricochet is going to make that the main event. So maybe that's the next plan for him at the next uh, special. All right. So uh, overall, this was a, a very good uh, NAC takeover uh, with two great matches uh, to bookend it and then a great uh, car, a match in the middle there between Ricochet and the Velveteen Dream. Uh, Michael, just give me your final thoughts of, you know, taking it in live, you know, much different than, you know, watching it on TV, getting the filters of Kevin Dunn and all that production. Um, you know, what was your initial take as far as seeing it from the building and then kind of once you watched it back? I really enjoyed the show. 
I think, only a little bit differently than people who would have watched it at home. I liked Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream on a whole other ne- level, and then I saw people were like, oh, that was that was pretty good. I was like, this is like five stars because everybody was into it. Everybody was cheering. And I also thought that Gargano versus Ciampa was so captivating to see live. That's one of my favorite matches. Uh, and I also think that Ciampa goes into a feud with Aleister Black next. And then uh, as we go into Ricochet versus Adam Cole for the title. Okay. Okay, that'll be fun. So all the people who watch NXT, there's some uh, fantasy booking for you. So this is the WrestleCast. I'm joined by my SmackDown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonay, our WrestleCast broadcast journalist, Mr. Magnum Prime, and our special guest tonight, Michael of the WrestleGrade. So we're going to get into Money in the Bank, the hashtag MoneyCastHoles. Thank you for everybody who came out. The hashtag say no to pre-shows match was the Bludgeon Brothers versus the Good Brothers for the SmackDown Matters Tag Team Championships. And the Bludgeon Brothers hit the killer bomb and they retain their titles. So we move into the main show. We start off the night with BitCast versus Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan gets the heel hook and BitCast, he taps out. Uh, We get a really good segment with New Day and Kevin Owens backstage. Very funny. Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley was next. Bobby Lashley gets the victory with a delayed suplex. Elias versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship. Uh, Seth Rollins uses a roll-up and he grabs a little bit of the tights and he mm-hmm. retains the Intercontinental Championship over Elias. The women's Money in the Bank ladder match featuring Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, Lana, and Sasha Banks. And Alexa Bliss gets the win and she claims the Money in the Bank briefcase. Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. Roman Reigns hits the spear and Roman Reigns gets the win. Uh, Asuka versus Carmella Smackdown Women's Championship match with the help of the returning James Ellsworth who provided a distraction Carmella retains the Smackdown Women's title AJ Styles Mm. beats the count after he gives Nakamura a phenomenal forearm through the announce table to retain the WWE Championship in the last man standing match. Nia Jax loses the WWE Women's Championship to Alexa Bliss, who cashes in. She interrupts the match between Nia and Ronda Rousey to cash in the briefcase and hits the, D- the Twisted Bliss or the DDT first and then the Twisted Bliss. And she pins Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss is our new Raw Women's Champion. And in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, Braun Strowman versus Finn Balor versus The Miz versus Rusev versus Kevin Owens versus Bobby Roode versus Samoa Joe and Kofi Kingston of the New Day. Braun Strowman climbs the ladder to success and Braun Strowman wins this year's men's Money in the Bank ladder match. So, Michael, I'm going to start with you again because you were there. Why were y'all so mean to gender and Roman? (laughs) 
I mean, WWE decided, especially Vince McMahon, to put on that match between two people nobody really liked. And it was just as soon as the match started and Sunil Singh or whichever Singh brother that was decided to sit down in the wheelchair and fake his injuries, we just started to chant for whatever we wanted. And it was fun. I'm normally totally anti-beach ball, but I was I was bumping around the beach ball, having some fun with the wrestling fans in Chicago. That was that was a fun match for all the wrong reasons, I think. So there is an NXT chant. There is a this is boring chant. There is a this is awful chant. What else were you guys chanting? Stop the match now. The elite uh, Velveteen Dream was heavy. That was repeated and well-deserved. And uh, I think Johnny Wrestling, those were the main ones. <laughs> So yeah, uh, this match could have been good, and it could have like been booked. And I know me and Didi have kind of the same thoughts on this. Like right now, because everybody's so anti-Roman, you kind of have to book him in like these brawls or these just wild ass matches where it's so much crazy stuff going on that people can't hijack it and boo it because it's like, well, they are brawling. He's kind of getting his ass whooped, and he's kind of whooping ass kind of engage him more instead of having this slow match with all these rest holes and plotting mm-hmm. this, that's just going to lead to y'all hijacking a match. So yeah, it was good entertainment on TV trying to figure out what the hell y'all were chanting. <laughs> there was at one point, one of my favorite things I've ever been live for is the security took a beach ball and ripped it. And everybody's chanted, uh, you're bad at your job or something like that. <laughs> and <Dang. he> went- <laughs> He went to the crowd and just like keyboard warrior taunted, said, go put that on Twitter. And that was that was really funny. All right. Um, Didi Jonet, I'm going to yes. bring you in for this net to start off this next talk. OK. Ronda Rousey was actually a little bit better in her first real match than I thought she would be. Oh, don't give her all that. She was still mediocre. I, 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 my expectations were low, so you know sometimes you don't go well, in with much. When your expectations are the floor, you know. All right, she got to the you know baseboard top of the baseboard. Yeah, I mean you know she wasn't awful. What you want? You want a cookie? She she, she still like the physicality is clearly her best. Yeah, trait right now, but she's still yeah. off with her timing. She's still the, the yeah. timing is a little off, but yeah. she has potential. She was better on Sunday than she was on Monday, is what I'll say. Right. I think she has potential. So great. Y'all gave her a lot of country for what she did on Monday. <laughs> great. And I'm here to tell you, you were incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, what do you think about uh, this particular match? I thought both women actually had a really good match. Yeah, I, it went down a, a lot better than I thought it would, just considering uh, both opponents' experience <laughs> inside of a. WWE, ring. but uh, I, I, mean, I I really didn't really like the finish. I mean, I, I understand um, why they chose to go that route. But, I mean, hey, both of these women are supposed to be the ass kickers that they're trying to be. You know, they get taken down by you know five foot whatever goddess. That's a little bit ridiculous. You know, I, I still have you know still hard for me to do that much of. It, it was it was better than I thought it would. All right. 
So, Mike, um, how did the crowd react to Alexa Bliss coming out of nowhere? Half of the crowd was totally for Bliss, as I was not. I <laughs> I think Bliss is the reins of the women's division in that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Way go, think. Yes. And that, that she's over pushed, and she just, she's five time women's champion. I think that's the right number. And yes, sir. man. There are so many more deserving people. So half of the crowd was, yeah, and I was sitting there like, oh, no. Just, <laughs> no. I hoped Rousey got back up and stopped her from cashing in, but no, nah, she got right in there and won. And she'll be a fine heel champion. I just think, give it to someone like Sasha Banks or Amber Moon so, and let them hold the briefcase and then cash in later on. So, But... The only thing about the briefcase is it doesn't work as well with with the good guys because you yeah can, that's true you know there's you know it can if it's been like a like like if Daniel Bryan was to get it after all that time they had been holding him down and then all of a sudden he was to win it then it could work he could walk around and and have it and you know that storyline would play out. But for the most time, it's better if a bad guy's got it because then, you know, there's a lot of trash talking that can go into it and it can be used to cheat and win matches and, and different things like that. So, I think Bliss also cashed it on the same night, so she had less of a chance to be heel with the title and towed around that she had the opportunity waiting down the line. So I think it could have propelled a talent who wasn't already in the spotlight. Fair point, fair point. Next, we'll talk about AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. I think, uh, yeah, the outcome wasn't what I wanted, but I thought the match was by far the best that they've had out of the three in uh, WWE. So, Didi, I'll yeah. let you, I'll let you, you know, vent your frustration at Nakamura taking the L in this. One. I'm, I'm not gonna get into it too deep. All I'm gonna say is, if you're a bad guy, this is the match that you win. Because there's nothing to stop you from being your worst, the worst version of yourself. So for him to lose that does not make sense to me. I do not like it. And I wanted him to be like Tommaso was. Like, even if it's by the hair on his shinny chin chin, he still should have been the winner. And AJ should have been looking sad and depressed and like a loser. (laughs) I agree with everything you just said, Didi. Thank you. Mr. Magnum Prime, it wasn't uh, Wrestle Kingdom what eleven or or excuse me, Wrestle Kingdom ten, but um, you know, it was better than the first two. Yeah, I, w- I was gonna say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, just watch this match and watch the Wrestle Kingdom match that they had, and pretty much delete everything else that they've done uh, against each other in the WWE because it it just wasn't up to par. But I, I'm gonna disagree with you and DD on the booking. Mm. If we're following the storyline, this is the ending that we should have had. Uh, maybe Nakamura would have gotten the title somewhere in between. But yeah, AJ is the face that runs the place. He should have walked out of there with the title. All the other smiles that we had in the matches before, that kind of you know, it kind of uh, undermined the the whole rivalry. But I mean, this is how it should have ended. All right. Mike, how did the crowd uh, react to to this match as a whole? It's a pretty long match um, with all the, you know, 
the counting and everything, kind of the stopping and the starting. So did that kind of take y'all out of it or did that add to the injury? The first half was kind of dead. It was just building until the second half, which I thought was booked really, really well, especially uh, when Styles and when Nakamura had come on and Styles nailed him in the nuts and then put him through the table. That was a great finish. Uh, and the crowd was really into it. Um, I thought, I thought going into this that Nakamura was going to win, but then I took a step back and was like, I think Joe's going to win the briefcase, and then he's going to cash in on advance on Styles at SummerSlam. None of that happened. (laughs) But just got a little ahead of myself with the fantasy booking. But I thought, I yeah, I think Nakamura, because Braun Strowman won, should have came out the winner. But as SmackDown showed, I'm excited to see Rusev versus Styles. So I think that. I'm okay with the finish. The match was really good, too, though. All right. Asuka and Carmella. Um, again, me and Didi Jonet are the, you know, hill life flag bears here. So, um, you know, Carmella did exactly what she was supposed to do. She used heel tactics to beat somebody that's clearly better than her. I don't mm-hmm. see what the problem. See, here's the thing with Carmella. Last month, she super kicked Charlotte, rolled her up in the middle of the ring, and won fair and square. People was mad. <laughs> this time, she does what she's supposed to do and gets some help and beats Asuka. People are mad. <laughs> For me, I'm mad because Asuka looked like she saw a ghost. Asuka didn't was. look like, hey, why am I looking at myself? Oscar looked like, oh, this bitch came to get me. <laughs> so, like, if next week, I don't really care about Young Chinless. I want to know why Oscar was so creeped out. Like, because that looks like a whole separate story. Great. Like, is she running from something? Is there a twin that she locked in the basement and, like, rolled out on? Like, what happened? Greg, you know who I thought it was? Oh, I'm afraid to ask. No, no, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was Io Shirai from Stardom. Because, you know, her and Asuka, like, had rivalry back in the day. I don't know if you know much about Stardom, the Japanese women promotion. But that's who I thought it was at first. Mm. Like I knew it was a That would have been, been better. But, I mean, we already knew that, you know, Ellsworth had pulled out of the appearance. He was supposed to um, I didn't know participate that. in the weekend. Paper, so, okay, well, yeah, it, it it was already out there that he, he was on no show on event. And so, yeah, she was pretty much him. But... I mean, hey, you, you both are right. Hey, she did what she was supposed to do. She, uh, she won it no matter what. But I just hate what this does to Oscar because she's so talented. And I just feel that at a certain point, you know, they're just going to look at her as just not being really worth it uh, to carry that title. So, yeah, Carmella, Carmella was the heel. She got over the way she was supposed to. But. I think it does a disservice to to Oscar because she's not. I don't think she's really made yet. She had a nice run, but she never touched the title, so she really hasn't. She wasn't the woman yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they've done a disservice. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, I'm gonna ask you the same thing. Kind of, do you think that Oscar not beating Charlotte has diminished her in you know most of the fans' eyes now? Because I mean. She's the baddest thing walking for two years on NXT, but she hasn't really kind of like Nakamura. She hasn't had the chance to really display it against anybody yet. Mm, yeah, totally. I think there's that disconnect between what happens in NXT and WWE. And if the booking doesn't happen correctly, all of that gets lost. So I think the Charlotte loss, which came out of nowhere for me, I 
was not expecting it. Uh, thought I thought that was really cheap. And then Oscar's just been going on a downhill dive. And then, man, I when the robe came up on the apron, I'm like, oh, it's Billy Kay. It's from the Iconics. They're going to build that. They're going to build Iconics and Carmella versus Asuka and Charlotte and Becky Lynch again. But, no, nah, it was James Ellsworth. And he got a solid-sized pop for the Chicago crowd, which probably isn't that surprising because they're all smart. And Ellsworth, Ellsworth's a good character. But I think I think they should have had an Asuka win after that and then had Ellsworth later down the line help Carmella cheat to a victory. I just think they need to rebuild Oscar right now. Here's the here's the deal. This is how they're going to get Becky Lynch back over, because if you remember, Becky Lynch and, and Ellsworth always had that little thing. Where I think they actually had a match against each other. Yeah, back when he mm-hmm. was, um, you know, Carmella's, you know, manager the first time. And plus, it pays off. Ellsworth doing all that dirty shit to actually get her the money in the bank. I mean, it's only right that he should actually get the manager when she's a champion, too. You know what I'm saying? Since she, she wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for him to start off with. So I think this is how we get back around to Becky Lynch getting the title shot and Becky Lynch maybe getting the championship. Yeah, I'd like that. If that's what happens in the long run, I'd be all for it. That would be the smart way to book it. So we'll get to a match that I thought was very surprising. Um, Elias versus Seth Rollins. <laughs> um, Elias, man, he showed he could go. A lot of people have always kind of doubted him that, you know, he's more of a more of a gimmick. The gimmick is, you know, more, you know, of what's over than the in-ring. But in a long match, man, you know, he actually showed that he could kind of keep up with Seth Rollins. I was pleasantly surprised um, with this. Randy Savage Jr., of course he can keep up. <laughs> um, again, Seth Rollins just putting in you know fantastic work he's got to stop being so convincing with this knee though and he's got to sort of vary it up it's like every match now is his knee like he needs to you know do the back or the arm or something so we don't get so used to it so we can get the convincing nature of it back but he does a damn good job selling it anybody want to weigh in specifically on what they thought about this match Elias was robbed <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that did get a little dirty there with the with the with the pulling of the belt there. Mm-hmm. Says so that I guess I am still here. <laughs> <laughs> does uh does anybody want to say anything about Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn other than thank God that's over? Fast forward. I left. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I had it on, but I didn't watch it. All right. Um, the opening match, Big Cass and Daniel Bryan. Like like I said, uh, I thought this was like I tweeted in a live tweet. Uh, Daniel Bryan's about to carry Big Cass to the best match he's ever had in his career. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And then the man got his walking papers two days later. So cold game, cold game. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought I thought this match was really good. I thought, you know, Big Cass showed off pretty well. Daniel Bryan is a wrestling machine and he's starting to kind of find his groove through some old moves back the torture rat. I mean the, uh, not torture rat, but the uh, surfboard into the uh, dragon sleeper. Hadn't seen that in a while. It was good to kind of see him break that back out. So uh, Mike Chicago was really crunk. The pre-show was crunk. You guys were off the hook for Samoa Joe and then Kevin Owens. So how loud was it when uh Daniel Brown's music hit to start out? That was it was really loud. Uh, he's still the fan favorite. That never got lost, and he 
every time he started hitting those strikes, it was just yes, yes, yes around the arena, and it was deafening. It was really good to see that he's still in these graces and that he's probably going to get huge push again. Eventually, eventually. Yeah. So, Ms. Didi Jonay, anything that you mm. want to add special about this match? Did you get home in time to see the opening? Mm-mm. Okay. I was, I was doing things. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah, we were corresponding, remember? Yeah. G-Money, anything you want to say about um, Big Cass's final match in WWE? <laughs> so mean when you say it that way. <laughs> hey, uh, if you got to go out, got to go out like that, I guess. They could at least gave him like a screw you guys. I'm going home. Like they didn't have to do him like that. <laughs> then again, I heard he was a MAGA type. So bye. <laughs> I was waiting on somebody to say that. <laughs> I was waiting on somebody to say that. All right. So we'll wrap it up with the two money in the bank matches. Uh, the women's match. Um, thank God Sasha didn't die or break herself in half, <laughs> even though it looked like it was possible a couple of times. Um, hey, and thank God no, that uh, Lana didn't kill anyone. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. just... Lana did good. He did. I was shocked for yeah. her. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she's like my Ronda. I, I grade her on a sliding scale. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Naomi was was very good in this match. The icon, her huge. But man, Becky Lynch was so over every time she hit that ladder. Man, that crowd was on their feet. Is it because there are a lot of Irish people in Chicago? Because they were going up for the girl. There is a lot of Irish people in Chicago, but the other part is that she's just been pushed down so hard and the Chicago people want to see her get back to the top of the mountain, which was, was it was good to see her have a great showing in this match and probably carry it on to better showings and getting the title. Yeah. I thought Natty was kind of the odd person out in this match. Ember Moon showed the fuck out. Mm-hmm. For her first time yep. in a in a big spot like this, so I thought kind of Natty was kind of, uh, but you know we got so many people in a match, it's hard for everybody to stand out. Yeah. And then uh, the men's Money in the Bank match, um, Kevin Owens' plan finally came together as he was working for a whole week to try to get everybody <laughs> on the same page. They all buried Braun on the least ladders, but of course, like Michael Myers, he he emerged from the uh, depths and came back to destroy everybody. Um, oh, that camera where Finn has the ladder, but he can't go nowhere because Braun has the other side of the ladder. Oh, <laughs> that was a shot for your nerves. All it was missing was the haunting music, right? <laughs> so they're like, why can't I move? Oh, shit. <laughs> so um, as a whole, Michael, how, how did the crowd take this match? I mean... Everybody loves Braun Strowman, so I know that the finish and the and the booking was well received. But as far as the match goes, you know, was everybody into it, or were there lulls as far as the crowd goes? Most everybody loved the match, and everybody in this match was loved by the crowd. It was a really stacked lineup, and I thought that uh, especially the part where Owens drops Strowman off of the like. Or Strowman drops Owens off a of like twenty foot ladder. That was crazy. Everybody was into that. I just like the only issue that the crowd really had with it is Strowman just snuck in for a very abrupt win. I was like, I felt that was out of nowhere. I mean, Braun was probably the predictable choice. My my pick was Bobby Roode because uh, I thought he would use the briefcase to turn heel, get cocky, 
But Braun, finally, who's going to beat Lesnar? And that reign of terror. Yeah, there's still some cloudiness, some murkiness over that eventual match. But yeah, you know, it's, at least, you know, they're putting Braun Strowman on a directive that he's talking about being the champion and that the championship is in his focus. And that's something new that we haven't had from him since he's been, you know, uh, getting hot and, and, you know, becoming a fan favorite. And uh, offering these hands to anybody <laughs> who wants them. <laughs> Um, good pick by Didi Jonet saying that they needed another small guy in the match and that it, we all thought it was going to be Big E because, you know, here, hashtag Big E for WWE champion. But it was <laughs> it was Kofi and Kofi, you know, didn't disappoint. He gave us a couple of, of great spots. He jumped on Braun Strowman's back to try to, you know, add some extra weight to keep Braun from eventually reaching the briefcase. But he got tossed it almost off. worked, too. Yeah. Then he got tossed off like a piece of paper. Oh, you know. You know who who's really having a bad go of it? Finn Balor. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's he's I mean, I can't remember anything significant for him in the past couple of months, three months or so since he's had anything good really happen to him. Well, I think it's really good what happened to him on Monday. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I got. Okay. <laughs> Well, Nothing before that. I think he needs a reason to go back to being a demon just one good time, just to shock the system a little bit. Okay, okay. Greg, you got any? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, because leather jacket, shirtless, Finn is great, but it ain't really doing much for him. Right. And doing the dive and flexing his abs. I mean, I know the, the, the I mean, glow I'm loves a, it. I'm but... a big fan. Big <laughs> fan. But, you know. It ain't producing If you lose, it doesn't mean the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Greg, you got any suggestions for uh, we can get Finn Balor out of his funk right now? Uh, yeah, he would just have to basically for a couple guys to get injured. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I, I I hate to say that, but I mean if he if he can stay healthy and just wait for the other guys to kind of fall to the, the wayside, I I think it'll work out for him. I mean Vince tends to have a thing for guys who you know they get hurt. He really it takes him a while for him to trust him again. Right. And I, right. I don't I don't think Finn has really um won Vince over again, but you know, things can change, you know, in a moment. So he just has to stay healthy, uh, stay over with the fans, and he'll you know, he'll have a shot. Okay, okay. Mike, I'm gonna ask you kind of the same thing. Um, you know, what's up with Finn Balor? And uh, I know you said you're a New Japan fan, so kinda what were your kind of expectations when he signed and got up to the main roster kind of to where he's at right now? Finn Balor was my favorite for a while. I was just on that train and I was just, the demon was amazing. And I just, yeah, he got hurt right when he was at the pinnacle and he was the universal champion. And now he's just so far down. And I think Vince, yeah, Vince has trust issues with guys who get hurt. And it's, I mean, it's, I think He's going to be a good contender in the multi-man at Extreme Rules. Uh, but it's going to be a while, I think, until we see a full Balor career rerun. All right. All right. So that was Money in the Bank. So at this point, we're going to let you know that the WrestleCast is being sponsored by Amazon.com. 
Please help support the Razzlecast and CSPN by going through CSPN.us and shopping on Amazon. It's the summertime, birthdays, parties, different things that you will need throughout the summer. Coolers, you know, tumblers, things to keep those drinks cold during these hot months where you're out at the pool. Get them through Amazon and CSPN. Go to CSPN.us, click on the menu tab, scroll down to the tab that says keep our podcast free, then click on the first link. That's Amazon. Buy the things that you normally would and some of your purchase comes back to us here at CSPN to keep the WrestleCast free each and every week. So CSPN and Amazon.com do it today. I'm going to run through Monday Night Raw really fast. Uh... Alexa Bliss has a nice celebration. It gets interrupted by Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey goes straight stone cold and just beats up everybody, including Kurt Angle. And she finds herself suspended for 30 days. Um, we had Seth Rollins come out and, ch- and have an open uh, challenge for the Intercontinental Championship. Dolph Ziggler op- uh, answers the challenge. And Dolph Ziggler rolls up <laughs> Seth Rollins and he gets the win. Uh, Dolph Ziggler had the tights, and Seth Rollins figured out sometimes you lose them the same way you win them. Bloop. <laughs> uh, they had a you know a little interview after the match, and Drew McIntyre was talking all uh, mean, and uh, so he's looks like you know the new Diesel compared to uh, you know Ziggler Shawn Michaels. Uh, Bobby Roode uh, kept Kurt Hawkins on a losing streak as he got the win with the glorious DDT. Zero and two oh four. <laughs> Braun came out and uh, cut a promo about, you know, winning the money in the bank and talking about Lesnar. All he's got to do is show his face and he's going to get this these hands. Uh, Kevin Owens comes out and, you know, makes a plea to kind of help Braun. You know, Braun has Braun, but he doesn't have brains. And that's where Kevin Owens would come in. But unfortunately, uh, Braun ba- uh, beats Kevin in to a handshake and just crushes his hands. He's just a power slam, but Kevin gets the hell out of there. Um, Bailey and Sasha, they're in the back. They're going to team up tonight against the Riot Squad. Then we got the best part of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> the B team, they do a parody promo of uh, Bray Wyatt and uh, Matt Hardy, and uh, it was amazing. Bo Dallas was doing Bray Wyatt. It is the best thing that WWE's produced in quite a while on Raw. Uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, they beat the hell out of Slater and Rhino. They win with the double uh, sister Abigail. Uh, Baron Corbin comes out. He says, <laughs> Constable Corbin. Constable Corbin, excuse me. He says that there's a big announcement and that, uh, you know, Stephanie has called it in and he wants uh, you know, Kurt Angle to run everything by him before he goes out in front of the public. Gender says, he cuts promo, says that he's found tranquility and looks like he's, you know, dedicated to change. Then he beats up Chad Gable. Oh my gosh. <laughs> why, are they, why are they wasting Chad Gable? Then we get Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. Oh man, uh, Liv cradles Sasha Banks for the win after Bailey tries to make the save, but just doesn't make it. After the match, Sasha is fed up. She pushes Bailey down and leaves the ring. We get a commercial break. We come back. They're in the back. Bailey's trying to talk to Sasha. Sasha's not having it. They end up brawling. I think Sasha threw watermelon on Bailey in one of those exchanges. They were fighting over some a food table there. Wasting I know good she watermelon. Solo cups. Yeah, wasting good watermelon. Oh, speaking of, bitch, I got watermelon. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Kurt Angle comes out, makes the announcement about Lesnar defending Universal title. Then Roman Reigns interrupts. Then we get Bobby Lashley. He interrupts. Bobby Lashley fucks up the promo. Uh, first, like, five seconds he's on the line. Three seconds in. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Kurt basically announces that there's going to be a multi-man match at Extreme Rules to uh, determine the number one contender. The arrival, then they come out, they talk big shit to uh, Bobby Lashley and, and uh, Roman Reigns, and basically challenge them to a match. They accept. Uh, Roman Reigns actually had like 20 seconds or good mic work there, where he was mocking the revival and telling Bobby Roode if he uh, stood back and watched, he could learn some things. Uh, he should probably kind of take a snapshot of that and make all his promos sound like that. Lastly, in uh, Roman Reigns beat the revival when Bobby Lashley does the uh, Roman Reigns spear, tags himself in, spears, gets a win. Finn Balor wants to be in the match at Extreme Rules. Baron Corbin mocks him. Kevin Owens arrives. Then Braun shows up behind him, scares the hell out of Kevin Owens. Then Braun uh, says that him and Finn are buddies, and that basically leads to a tag team match later tonight. Didi's fave, Spicy White, Mojo Wiley, beats up No Way Jose. Uh, no Way Jose better find a new gimmick real quick. He better be pitching something because he's about to be getting his future endeavors real soon. Uh, Bailey meets up with Sasha Banks in the back. Banks says she's done helping Bailey and being friends, and then she skirts off in probably the worst rental car you could possibly get at Chrysler 200. Uh, Elias is here. He's singing a great song. What would Elias do? It's great. Um, Seth Rollins is interviewed about losing the IC title. He says that next week he's going to have a rematch against Dolph Ziggler. Then we get our main event, Finn Balor and Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens and Constable Corbin. Again, another tough night for uh, Finn Balor as he gets uh, crossed on the top rope and then uh, Corbin hits the end of days and he gets pinned as Kevin Owens and Constable Corbin are your winners. So that was Monday Night Raw. So, Miss Didi Shonet, I'll start with you. Uh, or are you still getting your watermelon? Are you back? I um, I'm cutting it up right now. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what was your? Give me some of your highlights of Raw. Uh, looking at Elias, looking at Braun. Um, <laughs> apparently now Sasha and Bailey are Peter and the Chicken, so that's cool. Uh, or boring, done. You know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Lastly, failing. Miserably. I want to say three. I want to say like seven seconds in Lashley failing is some of the most pitiful shit I've ever seen. They get to the building at like 12 o'clock and they all they do is sit around and wait for the TV to start. You got all day to nail one line. The opening line. And you can't <laughs> even get that just shit right. Stumbled. <laughs> stumbled and fumbled. It's just ugh. How embarrassing. Um... Yeah, that's about it. Okay. Did uh, we ever find out uh, the announcement from Kurt Angle? No. Oh, it's just going to be a multi-man match at Extreme Rules to determine the number one contender. That was the end. Oh, that's boring. I thought it was like a real thing. No. What did you think about Bo Dallas and the best promo he's ever done? Oh, I can't believe I forgot that. You know, as a younger sibling, I was a big fan of that troll because in my mind, he did not tell his brother that was happening. Because Bray was on top of the ropes looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked so like, you know how like your equal parts amused and disgusted? That's what Bray was giving. Oh, uh, it was great. 
right. at all times troll your siblings. G G Money, your your highlights are raw. I it was definitely the the B team impression, but I actually thought that Bray was trying to keep it together. Yeah, I, I didn't think he, I didn't think he wanted the the break character, but he was he was obviously uh, <laughs> pretty pretty pleased with what his brother had put together. <laughs> uh, Michael, I ask you your your highlights of of Raw. I uh, actually really liked the opening segment. Uh, I thought Rousey looked really good, especially for a former UFC fighter. She was so green and so bad on the promos, and now I think she's doing much better. And then I thought Ziggler versus Rollins was a good match. Wrong winner, but uh, hopefully it leads to Rollins winning that multi-man. I, I liked the main event. I thought it was fun. thought it was good fun. And Baron Corbin... It's one of my f- dark horse favorites, uh, and I think the constable thing is kind of fun. So, good follow up episode to Money in the Bank. Corbin seems to have found his personality with this uh, constable thing. I-, I think the lone wolf he was trying to be, you know, badass, look mean, look tough, you know, be tough guy, and maybe it was a kind of a phony thing. But this right here, where he can just be a schmuck and an asshole and give Kurt. Angle mad blues. Oh yeah, this is his character right here because this is him in real life. So they've done a good job with with finding something for him to kind of make him a little bit more interesting. Mm. So, all right, Miss Didi Shone, I'll turn it over to you so you can run down SmackDown really fast. Um, sure. Asuka's music hits and Ellsworth comes out to do cosplay. Carmela's there and she finds it funny. Um. Then Asuka arrives. She's mad. Asuka attacks, but Carmella lays her out, and then she bails with Ellsworth because she's not crazy. Ellsworth was like going a little bit overboard. He said that Carmella was better than Beyonce. I might agree with Ooh. everybody else. Lita, Mother Teresa, Trish Stratus, Charlotte. But he said Beyonce. Hold up now. <laughs> First of all, the correct answer was, you better than Trish? No. <laughs> <laughs> there was only one blonde short queen, and it is not Carmella. But anyway, first match of the night is Billy Kay versus Becky Lynch. Um, Lynch wipes out Royce with a high cross off the apron back in the ring. Lynch gets a disarmor and Billy Kay taps. Uh, Jeff Hardy cuts a promo on Nakamura. Um, he wants revenge on Nakamura, and now his eyes are open. I don't know what that's about. I was I was late that day. Oh, Jeff Hardy came back with the face paint. Yo, did you see the 24 after? Um, no, I didn't. I haven't seen it yet. It was so good. I heard it was so good. It was so good. Them boys got issues, but they still <laughs> fine now. Anyway, uh, Renee interviews Daniel Bryan. He's going to be number one in the gauntlet, blah, blah, blah. He asks Renee if he's ready to take on the biggest stars, and then he makes her say, yes, yes, yes. The Usos cut a promo on Sanity. Because Sanity is going to be a thing here on Snacky Downy. And they say that they know they're trying to make a name tonight. They say you have to be crazy to roll with the Usos and welcome to the Uso Penitentiary. Now, for those of you who do not know, Sanity is Dane and Wolf with somebody named Young Eric. Eric Young, yes. Yeah, I remember. Versus the Usos. They brawl before the bell with all members running wild and beating the Usos down. So that means it's a three on two. That's not fair. Young and Wolf hit the double team neckbreaker. Insanity stands tall. Renee interviews Nakamura. He say the ref counted too fast and money in the bank. I will say that that ref was counting not evenly. And he was counting in English too. 
which isn't fair because Nakamura doesn't speak English. Everybody knows that. <laughs> let's let's just start there. But okay. Um, he's asked about Jeff Hardy, but he says he will close his eyes again. No, she, she goes, uh, Jeff Hardy. He goes, who? Big facts. Man, the, this has slowly become my favorite part of SmackDown. He's great. Having because Renee be looking so like I got about thirty seconds for you, and the first <laughs> time you say something I don't like, she be like, "We want to like just snatch the mic and stop the interview." <laughs> but he always find a way to like bring her back because <laughs> he's a good interviewer, even though he doesn't know English. Next match is the Bludgeon Brothers versus the Good Brothers. It is a SmackDown tag team title match. Uh, Eric Rowan takes out Gallows on the floor and the killer bomb finishes Carl Anderson. Daniel Bryan has a standoff with the Bludgeon Brothers. I just want everybody to know that what's-his-name's hot Asian wife is indeed hot and Asian, and I just thought he was full of shit. Oh, you looked her up? My apologies. I didn't look her up. Um, What's-his-name was being a rude asshole on Twitter. Oh, Luke Harper, that's right. He tweeted a picture of her when she was pregnant, and I was like, aww. (laughs) <laughs> between happy father's day was like that's not nice <laughs> but i saw her I was like oh shit she is hot i was like forget i said anything oh, who knew look at you. i thought it was just i can't admit when i'm wrong look at you coming around on carl anderson i still don't like him he's in I the best shape him. of his life and didi jonay is he better be he gotta keep the hot asian wife happy <laughs> You see Luke Harper ready, waiting in the wings. <laughs> if David Bryan was eight inches taller, he would be like the third member of the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, probably. Because, you know, they wear flannel, dirty flannel. Anyway, yeah. Biggie versus The Miz versus Samoa Joes versus Russo versus Daniel Bryan. This was Daniel our Bryan. gauntlet match. Sorry, I didn't add that in the notes. Oh, it's a gauntlet match. Oh, he did say something about a gauntlet match. This is the main event of the night. It starts with Big E and Daniel Bryan. Things happen. Things happen. Rusev is apparently the last one in. He counters the Miz kicks, but Miz counters the accolade into a DDT for two. Then Rusev counters the corner drop kick with the Machka kick. Then the accolade follows and Miz taps. So Rusev wins. Yes. Yay. So Rusev is going to face AJ Styles at Extreme Rules. That's what this match was for. Cool. Um, the big thing that came out of this was that uh, Samoa Joe beats um, Biggie with the running knee, mm-hmm. or Daniel Bryan, excuse me, beats uh, Biggie with the running knee. Then Samoa Joe is next. Samoa Joe tries to uh, give him the coquina clutch and win by countout, but instead mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan beats him back in the ring and he wins by countout. But mm-hmm. you know he almost got choked out, so he's like you know kind of down and out a little bit, waiting for the next person to come out. And the mm-hmm. Bludgeon Brothers come out and they put their finishing move on Daniel Bryan. And literally, as soon as he hits the mat and they roll out, the Miz comes down the ramp, the ramp at like 50 miles an hour. If he would have tripped, he would have blew his ankle out. He was moving oh, so fast. No. And he puts, he, didn't trip. he puts Daniel Bryan in a skull crystal finale and wins. And then that's how we get to Rusev versus Miz at the end. Cool. Yeah, so Daniel Bryan got like three different matches he can do now he he got this thing with the bludgeon brothers they cost him a match where did that come from from when they with the bludgeon brothers because he interrupted them leaving remember what happened when they finished their match their their music wasn't finished playing and his music started and he came out well that's not his fault that's production's fault well 
Well, you know, you can't talk to some people. Production just served him up an ass whooping, and, <laughs> and then and then Daniel Bryan, of course, the Miz, which I think is going to be the ultimate SummerSlam, or maybe they can hold that off to WrestleMania. If they could find a way to hold that to WrestleMania, that would be great. But that might be too long. Hey, am I cutting too loud? I didn't. That's what that noise was. Yes. Okay. Let me. They put okay, your on mute. You know. Baby. Bye. So, Michael, what do you think about SmackDown? What stood out to you? I thought the gauntlet match was booked perfectly. Um, I thought everybody looked great. Biggie looked like a main eventer, like he should be soon. And then uh, Daniel Bryan looked like the Iron Man. And then um, The Miz looked like the cocky heel, like he always should be. And then uh, Rusev got the shock win, which I think is well-deserved. And then Samoa Joe, I thought that that was a smart finish because – Giving him the countout victory allows him to protect his strong heel cockiness, so he's still sin strong. So everybody came out of this looking good, and I think Rusev versus Styles is going to be great. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Sanity beating up the Usos on their first night in. I thought they kind of should have just threw around some jobbers for three minutes. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, and then I think the beating around jobbers can get you in a place where, like, Almas is right now. Like, Almas was godly down in NXT, and now I I don't know where he is. I don't know who he's feuding with. I think he's still stuck in that program with Sin Cara. But I think Sanity, if they hop in here in their first feuds against the Usos and they have some good TV matches, that'll be, that'll be fine. But I think protecting the Usos is also a good thing, too. Right, right. And uh, how do you feel about the Iconics? Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, are you fans of them? I was a fan of them down in NXT, and I think now they're a little bit more annoying. Like, their mocking promos are just gotten on my nerves a little bit more. I think that they're good heels. I think, I mean, their program with Becky Lynch, if they give it good time, could be good. Uh, Becky Lynch standing tall in the end. Uh, Yeah, Peyton Royce is who can really go in the ring out of the Iconics, though, so... I think she should be the solo from there. Yes, yes. I, I have a whole different list of reasons besides Peyton Royce being able to go in the ring while she's my favorite. But yes, that's yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now, Didi, are you finished cutting? Because gotta, we got to talk about our fave, Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. All right. We start off with King Kurnos Trophy Room and Katrina, Katrina, Katrina. Teleports herself in there. She's searching for the gauntlet. Of course, he, uh, Brian Cage has the gauntlet, but Corino's like, I don't know where it's at, and it ain't here. I gave it to someone to protect it, and I don't know what he did with it. So, you know, Corino basically is like, he doesn't give a shit about Katrina being able to get her life back. So, cold, cold blooded. So, we have a trio's title match. We have Killshot, the Mac, and Son of Havoc, the trio's champions, versus. Famous B's new stable of Big Bad Steve, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Strong, a.k.a. Jack Swagger. Uh, basically, Famous B cost him the match. Uh, Jake Strong tags in. He goes, wow. He's got uh, my man Killshot in the uh, ankle lock. The referee doesn't see it. They end up losing the match due to um, some have it hitting the shooting star press. Of course, after the match, uh, Jake Strong, Jack Swagger, he's pissed. He starts beating up everybody. He finally grabs uh, Famous B, puts him in an ankle lock, and he snaps Famous B's ankle. So 
good debut there for Jake Strong, a.k.a. Jack Swagger. Uh, Antonio Cueto comes out. He says that Dario is considered a genius, and then he mentions that the gifts of the gods title, and he says that the medallions will be back in play to crown a new champion, and that starts tonight, and our first matchup will be Drago versus Dragon Azteca. Uh, Dragon Azteca hits a beautiful wheelbarrow uh, pile driver off of the uh, top ropes to get the win. After the match, Johnny Mundo and Taya arrive, and Taya attacks um, Cobra Moon, who was at ringside with Drago. And then Johnny Mundo lays out Drago, getting revenge for last week's match when they had the uh, um, Aztec Warfare. Next, Antonio sits down, drink a beer in his office. He grabs the key so he can release Matanza when Katrina arrives. She explains her situation about being stuck between real life and the spirit realm. And she wants Phoenix in a coffin and a grave consequence match. So basically she can claim her, uh, his soul and uh, be free. And Antonio agrees. Then we get our main event, Pentagon versus Matanza for the Lucha Underground title. Uh, basically, Pentagon Jr. Uh, paralyzed Matanza because he gave him two Mexican destroyers back to back followed by the package power driver and he got the win. Then he was going to break Matanza's arm, but Antonio Cueto arrives and, you know, of course the key gives, you know, Matanza his powers. So Matanza escapes before that uh, Pentagon could break his arm. And then Matanza cowers as Matonio calls his son useless. You watch Lucha Underground, Mike? Yeah, I do. I love it. It's just so goofy and the matches are great, even though they, even though they edit them, so it's hard for me to give them like star ratings and equal them out. If I just want to sit down and watch like no stress wrestling, I'll just watch Lucha Underground. It's good fun. Oh yes, the storylines and like you said, the action is fantastic. The, the matches are are really high quality from a lot of the best indie guys in the world right now. They've got this um, with um, the way TNA kind of has opened up the way they do business, um, there's going to be an opportunity for them to have a lot of crossover with impact. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd like to see Ryback and Lucha Underground as ridiculous as that is. I think that would be fun too. And I've just been distracted. I'm trying to figure out if Antonio Cueto is just Dario in disguise. That's just been throwing me off. Well, you know, child, we do a kayfabe thing. (laughs) So I could tell you. It's exactly what you think it is, but let's keep the illusion going. DD, now that you're back, uh, what were some of the things that you liked about this week's Lucha Underground? Yeah, I was there. I just I had to eat the watermelon. Oh, I, by all means. Like I realized I cut it on like the weekend, so it probably wasn't going to be good for too much longer. All right. So it's like let me let me get what matters. Too bad um, you didn't have any rum or vodka. I I do have rum, but it's Ryan nephew. Oh, yeah, don't so waste it's it. like mm, yeah. don't waste mm. don't waste good watermelon on bad rum. Yeah, you know you know Chairman gave that to me. I know, I know. It's in I still case haven't of finished it. In case it's of been over a year, it's been over a year. I can't do it. <laughs> can't, I can't like I sip like once a month, just like eh, you'll get there. Can't I can't do it. Um, <laughs> again, every time I see Dario's daddy, I cackle. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed that when Katrina came into his office and she told him what she wanted. He asked her, does this mean you'll stop barging into my office without knocking? And she said, yeah. And he's like, oh, you can have your match. (laughs) (laughs) All of the seduction and all the looks that they had nothing, that did nothing for him. He was like, 
will you knock on my door from now on? Yeah, please stop scaring me, please. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, my heart can't take it. Um, what else? Uh, I love Taya sneaking up on that uh, snake bitch. Yeah, that you was fun. Yeah, you don't like Cobra Moon. I, I, yeah. They make me uncomfortable. Her, Marty, Vibora, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Mm, is that all that stood out to me? Yeah, that is all that stood out to me. Speaking of uh, TNA, though, uh-huh. Pentagon Dark mm-hmm. was on TNA today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got this. Yeah, they're they're kind of exchanging talent so you kind of it's interesting to see them like in a different setting different lighting mm-hmm. different like the aesthetic is just like oh you, you look different what'd you think about uh jake strong aka jack swagger i love that i re- even remembered who he is because i'm shit on wrestler names so the fact that i was just like that's jack swagger and i was right i'm very proud of myself yeah that's a big Pat ass. myself on the back, yeah. That's yeah. a big ass dude, man. I've seen him he in real life. Big. He's big as shit. Well, especially like when you compare him to everybody else who was in that ring, it becomes really clear. He is very big. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, second week of the new season of the Lucha Underground. So, of course, um, use the hashtag LuchaCast if you guys are looking for the hashtag for Lucha Underground. Um, it's been three years. If y'all hadn't got into it yet, I don't know what y'all are waiting for. Like uh, Michael said, if you don't want to be worried about booking and pushes and just want to watch some stress-free wrestling, Lucha Underground is the way to go. And our final little piece of business we'll do is NXT. Um, Basically, this was the matches before the TakeOver Chicago on Saturday. So we had the next big thing, Bianca Belair versus Dakota Kai. Uh, Bianca Belair gets the win. She uh, puts Dakota Kai in the torture rack, and then she transitions that into what I'm going to call the burning Bian- the burning Belair because it's like a burning hammer that she uses for the finish. And Bianca gets the win. And the War Raiders they defeated uh, the Mighty, aka uh, Thorn and Miller, uh, with the fallout, and they got the win. So, how was the Chicago crowd for that Dakota Kai Bianca Belair match to start off the night in Chicago, uh, Michael? It was all Bianca Belair. I think, I think she's really something special, and people are starting to pick up on that. She's just really good, and she has what it takes. I think, and so the smart Chicago crowd picked up on that and went for her, enchanted for her to use her hair endless times. Um, and War Machine was over. Also in the Chicago crowd, I think they tried a little harder to be over than Bianca Belair because Bianca Belair just gets it. Uh, but yeah, Chicago was all for Bianca. Yeah, she she just I don't even she just doesn't know how good she is. I watch her matches with just the biggest smile on my face because it's like, girl, you are so good right now, and you just don't know how good you're gonna be in like mm-hmm. three or four more years. Because like you said, she's got the She's got the charisma. It, it's like I thought the same thing. I said this last week. I thought the same thing when I first saw Sasha Banks. Like everything that doesn't have to do with wrestling, you already have that down. Like, but she's got ten times more than what Sasha had. Yeah, I think Bianca Belair and Velveteen Dream right now are the probably most skyrocketed, and probably Aleister Black too, but uh, probably most skyrocketed towards great futures on the main roster. Um, I'll add one more name. Once he dumps Angelo Dawkins, I think Montez Ford is going to be right there too. 
Yeah, I love the Street Profits. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be uh, Enzo and Cass, though. I think they're going to be the fan favorites, but they never going to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. I think hopefully they do better than Enzo and Cass on the main <laughs> roster, as we see. <laughs> right. I think Montez Ford is definitely, when you're watching a Street Profits match, that's who gets your attention. And, yeah, I think he's going to do good, too. Right, right, right. So before we wrap up, uh, Mike, I want to ask you, a very specific question. Mm-hmm. You're the youngest person we've ever talked to on the WrestleCast in this incarnation. You have no real attachment to the Attitude Era or territory wrestling. So mm-hmm. basically your footprint is like, you know, Vince McMahon rules the world and TNA is kind of here or there and ROH has some cool guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so my question is, do you watch old wrestling? Do you have an appreciation for any of the, you know, stuff from 20 years ago, 15 years ago that you're not as familiar with? Mm, I'll watch, I'll binge watch WWE network some days just to watch the old stuff to get the footing. There's some really old WCW matches that I really like. And old WWF match is kind of a sleeper pick for one of my favorite matches is cactus Jack versus triple H in the Royal Rumble Street fight a while ago. I just, like, I understand wrestling on that basic level, so it's understand. It's cool for me to go and see how that was, even though I don't have that. Uh, Steve Austin was great, too. And I just, I had friends who were crazy into wrestling, and so they helped me ease into it. So I've kind of took wrestling as one big thing. And it's, yeah, it's cool to get inserted into the main roster for WWE and then find everything off from there because you can just learn so much about how the wrestling product works as a whole and uh I just right now that watching the old stuff has helped me had so much appreciation for stuff like Gargano versus Ciampa or like last week uh Omega versus Okada 4 because you can understand how that plays into history and for me it's like my childhood is now so it's cool to see these things in my eyes and know how good they really are and in the grand scheme of wrestling. So it's it's cool to be a wrestling fan now when it's a kid, but understand things that happened a while ago. Yeah, you have such an advantage in the way that wrestling is dispersed compared to the way it was. Because I see when I turned 19, as a birthday gift, one of my friends gave me my first ever ECW tape. It was uh living dangerously. Mm-hmm. And it was the very first like time I'd ever seen ECW. And that's the only way you could get it is if somebody had a tape and the tape would take like two months to get to you. If you ordered it from somewhere, whereas mm-hmm. now if you want to watch new Japan or ROH or DDT or stardom or whatever, I mean, it's literally a few clicks away, a search away, or basically just subscribe to their service and you can get all that you want. So the way to consume wrestling is so much better today to be a young wrestling fan that's crazy about all types of wrestling. There's Mm -hmm. no better time to be a fan than right now. Yeah, it is really really good to be getting into it now. And I think that it's going to get even better. I think wrestling is, I don't think it's, peaked but i think it's mainstream now where everybody can find where they want what they want to watch and especially with new japan i think 
we're, I'm really glad to have the ability to watch that because that's some of the greatest wrestling. And if I had to like buy tapes, I think about this all the time. It's, it's a lot of production that it takes to get it over to the States. And I'm, I'm glad that I can, if I want to look it up, I can see wonderful seven star matches if I wanted to. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who's calling that match a seven star match. I'm glad somebody else picked up on that too. I, I like I like to star rate things, but I always keep it five star range. I just think if it's if a match exceeds five stars, it becomes what defines a five star. I think Omega versus Okada is one of the greatest matches I've seen. It's been June especially for 2018 has been amazing for wrestling. Before we uh, let you talk about where people can you know find your reviews on your website and stuff, rank those four matches. Those four Okada Omega matches, rank them from your favorite to your. I mean, they're all great, but you know, what do you think is the best one, second best, and so on? I think starting, it's not the worst because none of them are bad. I think it's the G1 Climax one to start at the bottom just because the least storyline is more of a wrestling encounter than an out of the out of the box crazy thing and then the second one i mean everybody loved this one but i think it was the dominion one last year that went to the 60 minute draw i think that just because that went to the 60 minute draw and didn't really give a finish the storyline was great but i thought that that was a little a little cheap way to end it but i love that match in total and then i really like and then it goes the wrestle kingdom 12 match because that's what started it all off that's what I haven't been a New Japan fan for that long. I've heard of all the. I've started at the Finn Balor AJ Styles days, and then I kind of faltered off, and then came back for uh, Wrestle Kingdom twelve, and that was that was crazy. I was just like, I've been gone for maybe two years, and that just grabbed my attention so hard. And then the number one is the two out of three falls match that dominion just two weeks ago man that was the in-ring scale and the storyline and the athleticism that those two guys showed and the kenny omega winning he's my second favorite wrestler right behind cody uh just it felt all good and then the golden lovers things a feel good storyline and then the young bucks getting back together i think that's that's the peak of where those matches you, I've been so far. You're gonna be a compromised young man here, though, and uh, and at a big event here soon, because it's gonna come to a head between Kenny and, and Cody. It is, yeah. And I Super Card of Honor was an okay match, but I'm really excited for when it's at the G1 Special. I think that could tear the house down. I think Cody's less good in ring, as much as that pains me to say it, but Cody's character. Above all, I think the only one who gives him any trouble is Tommaso, but Cody's just amazing, and I think that's gonna that's gonna rock the house too. New Japan's winning right now, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. NXT and New Japan are definitely the two leaders in the clubhouse as far as putting together consistent products that are booked well, that have logic with their storylines, and compel you every week or every event to see more Mm -hmm. i've my friends are very casual fans and they like to tell me if it's not wwe then it's bad so i just have to i just have to gulp down my anger and not totally factually 
disprove them. But I, I've been arguing with my friends like Omega versus Okada versus Cena and Punk, and then recently Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano versus Cena and Punk. It's been it's been a good time to be a wrestling fan, especially to share your opinions because it's it's mainstream now, and so you can find people who in my high school that I just can argue stuff with in a good way and have different opinions. So it's it's fun to have a world of wrestling. All right. Let everybody know about your website, where they can find you on the web and give your shout outs and thank yous. So uh, WrestleGrade.com is where I'm at right now. Uh, WrestleGrade is the Twitter. Uh, WrestleGrade came very uh, handy to me. I didn't have to do anything to get that domain. It was shocking. Uh, and then thank you for having me on here. It was a great tell the, opportunity. Tell the people what you do on your site. Uh, I review. I try to post news when it comes. Uh, and then I do this thing called Race for Wrestler of the Year, where I consistently update this leaderboard week after week, and then I do it monthly uh, just to find statistically who is the best this year. All right. And I started it back in March, so it's it's taken off pretty well since then. All right. Yeah, I I read it and kind of use it to kind of see what people are thinking, what the temperature is from people who maybe aren't always in our circle. And uh, it's a really slick looking site. So you're doing a good job running it, man. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Miss Didi Jonay, your shout outs and thank yous. Oh, she must have stepped away from the mic. No, I pressed the wrong button. Oh, there she is. Uh, <laughs> ah, shout out to you, best producer in the gang. Shout out to Mel, because Mel always gets shout out. Shout out to the chairman. Shout out to vacations. Shout out to my nephews, because they're coming on Monday. Uh oh. Turn up. Y'all turn watching up. Raw together, right? I'm not going to be with them. I don't oh, think. okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Because they judge me, so I don't need them seeing my apartment. <laughs> it's fine. It's a-okay. Um, shout out to Michael. You are a very good guest. Thank you. You did really good. You got a good radio voice, too. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then who else? Who else gets a shout out? The Ladies of Glow, just because. Oh, shout out to Bon Strowman. Yes. Is that it? You never know. You never know. Yeah. Oh wait! Shout out to um the baby foot thing that I did last week because my feet are peeling. It's a mess. But that's okay because my feet are gonna be summer ready by the weekend. <laughs> uh, is this officially now that today was the first day of summer? Is this when the sundress season starts? Have I been like premature? Am I? Uh, I do have on a dress today. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you would call it a sundress. What is a sundress? Maxi dress, sundress, whatever the the lexicon is. As long as it's a dress, is it a sundress? No, it's got to be the long, flowy, or tight huggy. But it's as gotta... long as it cups the booty just so, is it a sundress? Maybe. There's so many different variations. See, that's what I'm saying. Nobody can agree on what makes a sundress. This is true. That's it's like kind of like... Start... From the bottom. It's kind of like the definition of pornography in the Supreme Court. I know it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Shout Spina out. Max <laughs> was porn. I don't care what nobody said. Shout out to Sundress Season. Um, I like to give a shout out to Michael for joining us. 
I'd like to give a shout out to Miss Didi Jode, my SmackDown Matters correspondent. I'd like to give a shout out to Sam, who couldn't join us. I'd like to give a big shout out to Greg, uh, the WrestleCast broadcast journalist. Give a shout out to the chairman, Classic. I'd like to give a shout out to Mel, because Mel always gets shout outs. Shout out to the Glow. Shout out to everybody who joined us, like I said, for all the hashtags this past week. Um, Rawcast, SmackDown Matters, NXT Cast, LuchaCast, uh, Shotcast, TakeOver, uh, money cast holes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this Monday and Tuesday, whenever you watch it, it's going to start at 3 p.m. on both days. It's going to be the UK tournament. And on the second night, it's going to be like you NXT and the European thing combined together. So please use God save the cast. When you live tweet that <laughs> shout out to Quantum R. We're going to run that back. That was such a good, uh, good hashtag from last year so yeah um this this show especially the second night unfortunately there's been spoilers and some things already released but yo the, they got spoilers on spoilers yeah i just i, I got, just got some more spoilers yeah i just got the spoiler for the rematch from the other thing that was the uk thing and i'm just like that's too many spoilers now yeah so <laughs> the second night looks like it, it, it's gonna be just fantastic but yeah, both nights, I, I know it's going to be a lot, especially with Raw coming on at 8 and SmackDown on, at 8 those same days. So whenever you guys watch it, just uh, use the hashtag GodSaveTheCast. And in some late-breaking news, they also announced that the Mae Young Classic will be coming back again this summer. So, so they will be shooting that here coming up soon as well. So some things to look forward to um, as far as hashtag-wise and things like that. So like, like I said, thank you for everybody who listens to the WrestleCast, who supports the CSPN, and for Didi Jonet, for Magnum Prime, and for our special guest, Michael, I'm Don DeLorente, and this has been episode 190 of the WrestleCast. Please stay tuned for the parting promo. There's no one in the world like me. There's nothing I can't do. But when times get hard, ask yourself, what would Elias do? Hey, Kurt, I heard Brock was looking for a fight. Well, I think at Extreme Rules it should be Elias' night. Everybody wants to run and hide when the beast comes knocking. But I got nothing to fear Cause Elias will be walking He's tough on the outside But deep down his soul is vapid It reminds me of the trash That I'm looking at here in Grand Rapids Because there's no one in the world like me. There's nothing I can't do. But when times get tough, ask yourself, what would Elias do? I said, there's no one in the world like me. There's nothing I can't do. But when times get tough, ask yourself, what would Elias do? I said, there's no one in the world like me. There's nothing I can't do. 
But when times get tough, ask yourself What would Elias do?